Welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at at Smash underscore ASC. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. Our site Twitter account is at allsportsdacc. And joining me as always is the co-host Jeffrey Fan, who you can follow on Twitter at at Talking ACC Sports. And this week we have a great return guest in Tim Thomas from techlunchpail.com. He is the owner and operator of techlunchpail.com on this on this show. His site, or I, I should say, not, not just on this show, right? He's on this show, but he's the owner and operator of Tim Lunch, uh, of techlunchpail.com, and his site Twitter account is at techlunchpaild. So he's been on this show several times, and we've got we've seen him just get a greater following every year, not only on Twitter but on his website and the the website. His blog just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And has a huge following. It's really one of the top blogs in Virginia Tech, uh, associated with Virginia Tech athletics. And we're happy to have him back. So, Tim, before we start, give us the background on yourself. Again, we're we're really happy that you come on here, and you're previewing the 2021 Virginia Tech football season with us and our listeners here. So, welcome back, my friend. And my, uh, guys, thank you, thank you for having me back. It's it's always a pleasure and an honor to be on. Um, ever since, you know, it's crazy. I, you know, I started the site just a little over six years ago, and the first week um, I, you guys had me on for the first time on the podcast. So it's incredible to think back and your and your guys' support uh, from the beginning um, and how much that's helped grow the Tech Lunch Bill. As Matt said, I'm Tim Thomas. I am a 2018 graduate of Virginia Tech in civil engineering. Um, my my full-time career is as an advisor with New York Life, but I love getting the right about the Hokies, getting the cover of a tech lunch bill. It's, you know, it's allowed me to do some incredible things, including getting the cover on-site a few games inside Lane Stadium this past season. Um, you know, it's been incredible to see. Like I said, tech lunch bill is my main platform, but I'm also, you can hear me on ESPN Blacksburg on Thursdays at 5 p.m. usually, and um, also on the ESPN Blacksburg uh, pregame show before tech football games during the fall. And, uh, yeah, you know, I have a great team of riders as well. Um, I got a, another tech grad, Jahar Ali, a couple great student riders, and Andy Lose and Jack Brizendine, who do fantastic work. Um, and, yeah, you know, like I said, I've, I've been really fortunate. Um, it's an exciting time, you know, exciting weekend for tech as well, with uh, four NFL draft picks, including two first-round picks for only the third time in program history. Um, so, Jeff, you made a great point on Twitter. I, I feel we might get into this at some point. Um, you know, how can you have two first-round picks and go five and six? That's a that's a puzzler. That's a that's a great point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking sure forward to that. Sure we're going to get to a lot of that. <laughs> we're going to get to a lot of that. Uh, go ahead, okay. Jeff. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I'm I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, you know, about the draft takes in Virginia Tech. And, I mean, I, and we'll get into it some more. But, you know, Pittsburgh's in a really similar, you know, uh, position. You know, they had six draft picks, led the ACC, and, and had a pretty mediocre season. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. Okay, so let's get into a hot topic right here, right away, Tim, because I blogged about this, and I was I was hypercritical about this. And – I will be interested in getting your take. 
Virginia Tech is not having a spring football game for the first time in several years, right? Now, last time it was, you know, last year it was probably due to COVID, right? And they're probably saying it's, you know, due to COVID this year. But there's no spring, there's no scrimmage, there's no spring game without uh, with without fans only. There's not even, I mean. Perhaps you can update me on this, but I don't really consider there like to be some sort of a festival thing with the entire team, even like what UVA did a couple of years back for their team. And so it's puzzling for me, you know, at least as a you know an alum and a fan, right, to want to see to want to I want to see something like this so that you it, get people engaged with the team. I'm pro- I'm showing my bias here, man. I can't. I'm trying not to be biased here as an all. As an as an ACC podcast host, I'm probably showing my the upset side of me and the fan base thing. But coming off a five and six season, you probably want to get some fan interest in the team again. And I and I'm I'm starting to sound hypercritical again. I'm almost ready to read up my blog post about this, which was kind of well received by the fan by the fan base. So, what are your thoughts on this? And how do you think it was received by the fan base? And I'm sorry if I biased the hell out of this question. Thank you. No, I think you, I think you hit it on the nose, actually. Um, yeah, it's not been received well. Uh, I, think that's the, I think what I just said, it's not been received well is the understatement of the year. Uh, people aren't happy about it. Um, and look, people say, oh, it's about recruit. You know, a big part of it's about recruiting. Who can't, you know, yes, it is a nice event to have for recruiting as well. It's a nice spring event. Um, it, it doesn't help some absolutely. It's the best possible spring event you can have in that regard. However, um, it's about most importantly fan engagement. It's about donor engagement. Um, even if it's not as good as it normally would be, there is blame, plenty of blame to go around. Um, first off, you know, Virginia had stated, um, you know, Governor Ralph North had bumped up the limit to about 30% capacity. Virginia Tech could have legally had about 20,000 fans purely based on the state regulation. However, from what I've dug in, it seems like Blacksburg, now they, it seems like they never actually put anything. They do have some stricter regulations, which, you know, that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down another time, but, um, you know, that um, we won't go down today. But um, it seems like Blacksburg flexed some muscle. Um, and it, and it, angered a lot of people, businesses and whatnot to get in the way of having a 20,000 20, people there for a spring game, first and foremost. So that's where we start. Um, th- that's the first point. But I agree with you. If you can, you know, if Blacksburg Complex gets in the way and says, oh, you can't have this many people because, you know, somebody, you know, or because they're concerned about tailgating and things like that and all these people from out of town and parties on Center Street. Um, look, I get, I get some of that. Um, but at some point, come on, um, these things can be, you know, you can have 20,000 people. The governor has said it. Plenty of stadiums have proven it. Blacksburg got in the way in that. It could have, and it, you know, but there still could have been a couple thousand fans. I mean, we see a couple thousand English fields, one to 2,000 fans. You could have invited all the families and made a made-for-TV event. I mean, you know, Tex put out a four, you know, there's no reason why, they, or even just buying closed door, a scrimmage. It's not like they're scrimmaging. It's not like they're not scrimmaging. They're scrimmaging in practice. They probably had a scrimmage at practice number 15. They probably did. You know, don't get me wrong. Good for development. You know, the spring game isn't best for development, as maybe that scrimmage would have been. 
But at the same time, at some point it comes down to fan engagement. You just launched a massive campaign. Imagine having an interview where Justin Fuente is going out there on ACC Network as fans are watching and being like, yeah, you know, look, we need you guys. Uh, we need you to support this, this operation, this big move. This is what's, this is going to be a key piece of the puzzle. We're putting in the work. We don't, we think last season was unacceptable. We're working to get there. We need you to come with us to build a championship brand is what Babcock called it. Um, so I, I, there's blame the plane, blame the go around. I mean, they're doing a, they did, a, I don't know if it's 30 minutes or an hour, apparently this TV special. I just, just saw, apparently it was on last night. I didn't even watch it at 10 o'clock and there were three, nine o'clock. So I think one has actually already happened this evening and two more 9 p.m. time slots for it on the ACC network. That's it. That's it. For a, a prestigious football brand, for a football school, the basketball program has been fantastic. All these sports have been great. This is still a football school first. And they missed such a big opportunity to get engagement just to get some excitement. There's no excitement. You know, the great thing, one of the great things about spring game, hope springs eternal. Even, even, you know, the worst team, even Kansas, you know, when they have a spring game, I bet their fans are believing, all right, we might actually win a couple games this year, even if it's ridiculous. You know, that thought it hope springs eternal. It can even cool off the hot seat just a tad to make it a little more bearable. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't received well. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't received well by the fan base. And that's, a, that's, your, that's your support base, the donors, you know, the donors who aren't just the, the hardcore Hokie Club members, but the donors who are on Twitter who annoy you sometimes and sometimes say ridiculous, stupid stuff that is just, or just want to blame everything on Justin Fuente for no good reason, even though logic can pass them by at some point. Um, but at the same time, they're the people you need. And it's a fan base. It's just, it's been a long year. They haven't gotten to see their team really in person. Um, and even without that, they haven't, they want to feel good. They want to feel good about this football program. A spring game is designed to make that happen. And, uh, it's a, it's a complete missed opportunity. And the fan base reaction is, is perfect example, um, of the frustration and if you're tech, I mean, look, looking into the fall, you used to be in August under Frank Beamer, you'd see a scrimmage with two people, fans could walk in the lane, stand for free. I think Justin Fuente would be very wise, Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente would be very wise to do one or two of those, you know, because, ideal, you know, the way things are going, restrictions will bump up to 50% capacity. And hopefully, as long as things stay on track, you could have, ten, you know, an open stadium for fans to come in, be engaged, be there. Um, See this team get some of that ownership that's been lost again. Um, that was a missed opportunity. So I agree with you, and and, and I I do think I'll, I'll be a little positive. I'll see, and I I was kind of negative a little bit here earlier. I, I do think there are going to be more fans in the stadium this upcoming year because the vaccination rates are going pretty high in the state of Virginia right now. And so I feel, you know, it's being, being adopted pretty well. I'm not, I, I'm, I really don't, probably don't know as much about Southwest Virginia as I do about Northern Virginia, but, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the people in Virginia live up in Northern Virginia, right? 20, you know, a good, good, large percentage of people are up, are up here. And, but I, from what, you know, from what I can tell, you know, rates are do, doing pretty well around the state. So I, I do feel, I do feel pretty good about, 
about having you know having a certain number of fans in the stadium this fall, and I, I, so I I won't I won't be too negative here, but I wasn't wasn't too happy wasn't too happy about that that decision, and there there really wasn't a good PR effort after that either. So, but very good take, Tim. Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right, thanks, Matthew. Uh, Tim, let's start looking at the Virginia Tech football team. What are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Hokies? Yeah, you know, I think it starts um, in the secondary at corner. Um, Jermaine, a healthy Jermaine Waller with Dorian Strong, um, Brian Mur- Brian Murray, Armani Chapman. It's a pretty darn good two deep. I think that's a big part. Yeah. You look at linebacker. You got Shamari Connor at that whip linebacker. He just keeps getting be- better and better. Absolutely can be an all ACC first or second team guy upside. Along with Alan Tisdale, who continues to grow. Dax Hallfield is going to be intriguing. He's going to be at that natural his natural spot, the mic. Can he take the next step forward? Um, that's I think he can, but that's going to be key. Um, a lot of it is on defense. You know, look at Amari Barno at defensive end. He is just on his own. I mean, he was tremendous. And he moved the defensive end in fall camp, in this wonky fall camp, was when he moved to defensive end. And he was hurt for part of it, and he becomes an all-ACC performer this year with double digits, leading the team in sacks. The guy's a star. It, I mean, it would not be surprising if he's an all-ACC first-team guy, um, potential All-American, and a guy you see with his size who ends up going the first or second round next year, who kind of supernovas. Um, would not be a surprise. I think a lot of it, like I said, though, is on the defensive side. The receiving core with Mitchell, Turner, Robinson, um, that's a pretty darn good trio of weapons to have. And um, I think that's a, that's something that you can feel really good about. The offensive line, you know, you, you lose a Darisol. Um, you know, that's, that's a big that's a big loss. Don't get me wrong. That is a big loss. But you look at the – and you lose, you know, Doug Nestor and Brian Hudson, the transfer portal. Those are bad. That's just bad, losing that type of – those type of players. But there's still a lot of good pieces. Lafita Smith can be an all-ACC guy. Brock Hoffman, you bring in – an all-Big Ten honorable mention, and Johnny Jordan who fits on that interior. Luke Tenuta feels like he could be the next Darisol um, and could have a breakout year. Silas Jansey, there's been a lot of talk about that guard instead of right tackle. He seems to have kind of plateaued, but I'm still intrigued by him. And that's the question mark there, right tackle. Um, that might be for a little uh, – that might be for here in a second. Uh, but I'd say those are kind of a little breakdown of some of the stronger points. Um, and I will say defensive tackle – also, that defensive line as a whole, like I said, Barno. Um, the other defensive end spot will be interesting to see who, whether it's Emmanuel Belmore, having him back it up, if Tywin Garber can find his rhythm. Um, some of the younger guys like Robert Wooden, I'm very intrigued to see his next steps. But I think the defensive line is really good. Going to be real, I think that's going to be a stronger point of Virginia Tech, one of their strengths. And uh, I know we'll get into the new recruits here in a little bit, um, including the transfer portal guys, including the biggest one who comes at defensive tackle. All right, sounds good, Tim. Let's go on the flip side here. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, do you think that the Hokies will have this year? In other words, you know, what do you think they'll be working on before the first game, and what are the questions you think have to be resolved going into the season? Yeah, there's a few, um, and they're they're the ones that you don't like hearing uh, when you when you need to uh, be a team that is going to be contending for the coastal when you're Virginia Tech, when you should be at least contending for the Coastal every year, legitimately contending. Because it starts with offensive coordinator. (laughs) 
uh, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in Brad Cornelson. Um, <laughs> it just is. It's just, it's just. I'm just, I'm sorry, but his play calling has been head scratching at times. He's shown there have been some good things. That's part of the frustrating part. Um, but that's that's a weakness. That's just it's a weakness for Virginia Tech. Another one is quarterback. Um, Braxton Burmeister showed a lot of promise against UVA, but he has not shown a lot of consistency. Um, he was not the best quarterback Virginia Tech had last season. That was Hendon Hooker. He's gone. Your best quarterback went in the transfer portal to buy the Tennessee. The Tennessee. What the Who goes to Tennessee? What's the story about this? I, 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 I don't. I, I, I look. I, I hope Hendon Hooker. I mean, he should. I, I think he could absolutely start Tennessee on the side now. I mean, well, he's more than talented. About on this, why, why, why did we lose? I mean, why did the Virginia Tech lose two quarterbacks? I mean, part of it, you know, we all know college football nowadays, you know, to some extent. But how do you lose Hendon Hooker? I, I don't know. How do you lose the guy starting most games? I mean, that's yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, the, the, it was mismanaged some because I, Hooker was better on the field. You know, there's been a lot of hype. Burmeisters look great in practice. Well, we had a whole set of games. And Hendon Hooker was the better quarterback. Did he grow much from his previous season? No. But was he the better quarterback? Was he the more accurate quarterback? Absolutely. Did he have the better arm strength? Absolutely. Burmeister and Hooker, there aren't a lot of differences. Hooker is a complete quarterback. Burmeister has been inconsistent. His arm strength is a little lacking, in my view, from some of the, the throws I've seen. His accuracy down the field is, is, has, is not nearly as good as Hendon Hooker. And anybody who says otherwise, I'm sorry, but you've got to watch the tape again. You got to watch the games again um, because it's just reality. It's just a fact. Um, what, that's why it surprised me Burmeister's breakout against UVA. If that's the quarterback Tech is going to have, great. That's a lot better football team if, if he can be play as well as he did against UVA last year because he was accurate down the field. That was the biggest difference. If he's not, um, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 problematic. It's not good when you're mentioning saying offensive coordinator and quarterback. Um, and then the next one, which um, you know I, I have optimism about, is running back. is It's a it's an interesting situation because Jalen Holston showed is shown the flashes of taking the next steps. Yeah, he fully take it to be that explosive running back. He showed some explosiveness last season that we hadn't seen. Um, Keyshawn King, uh, Raheem Blackshear, the guy who just used can do it all. He needs to be used more as a receiver, as a do-it-all player that he, that he is, that we didn't get to see last year. <laughs> Which comes back to Cornell, Fuente, et cetera. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he has to take the next steps. Um, you know, safety's intriguing as well, going to the defensive side. You lose a guy like Divine Diablo, you don't replace that overnight. Tay Daly, I think, was a smart addition, kind of a veteran leader on that side. And then all you know, there's a hodgepodge of kind of other guys to, to step up and step in. Um, who I think there's a lot of talent at safety. You know, just those guys taking the next steps. You know, I, I think this is a team that's going to have to win with their defense a lot uh, again. You know, they're going to have to. It's going to be they're going to have to win old school Virginia Tech. You know, last year they were a lot of offense. I think the defense can take the steps forward. I have my concerns on the offensive side. Um, if they can, um, if they if they can match. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see if they can take the next steps. And, and going back to the quarterback thing, I mean, you know, here's a part of the thing with Burmeister. Um, there's no one to push him. 
really. They brought in Connor Blum, Lee Brumlick, a guy who start, who was at Texas A&M, started there, briefly was a quarterback, wasn't good enough, so they moved in the tight end, now wants to go play quarterback, you know, after, you know, and yes, maybe, you know, if it doesn't work out again, you can use him at a few different positions. But when you need a backup quarterback, Knox Tatum showed some promise, but would you rather have just Knox Tatum, Taj Bullock, and a guy who hasn't played quarterback in years as your quarterbacks behind Burmeister? I mean, <laughs> they wait. I mean, it's, you know, honestly, I don't know what his role is otherwise, and he's not pushing Burmeister. They, they whiffed on a, on a scholarship. They whiffed, in my view. Um, and, and there's no sign, based on the comments, that Blumberg is more than just battling for the backup job with a younger guy. So if, if, if that's what he got, you need to go back to the portal and find someone else that's at least going to push for Meister, if not maybe even beat him out. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, like I said, offensive coordinator and quarterback are the two biggest spots. Safety and running back are it's just, it's just some unproven commodities there. Um, you know, you need guys like J.R. Walker, Keontae Jenkins. Um, some of these guys, can they step up as well? You know, promising guys. You know, at safety, for example, with those two guys, some of the other guys, uh, at healthy this year, Peoples, you know, he's shown there's been a lot of hype around him. Um, you know, can some of these safe, these, these guys step into um, these roles and um, step up, you know, without – Devin Taylor, another guy who came in as a corner, moved to safety, I think it's really promising as a free safety. Uh, with the ball hockey skills, with the full off season, I think he could be intriguing, and could can he take the next steps as well? So safety's a stretch of on the weakness side. Um, running back as well, you know, I, there's promise. It's just unproven. But offensive coordinator, quarterback are the top, and that's not good. That's not a good. That's sign. not a good also, combination for your offense. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. And, you know, the specialist. Well, un, another unproven spot, the new new specialists as well, kicker and punter. But Tech's shown that they can produce them. So. I will say the tight end, I'm thrilled about. Yeah, having James Mitchell back, <laughs> that is a that is a gift with him, Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson, and uh, Raheem Blackshear, and then some of those younger receivers. We'll get to that in a second, I think. Uh, but there's some intriguing young receiving talent as well. All right, Tim. Uh, who, who are some of the new recruits that have impressed you the most uh, at Virginia Tech, and uh, do you think any will get some major playing time right away? And, you know, answer this as much as you can uh, without having uh, the benefit of having a spring game to watch. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, rubbing that in a little. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it would have been nice to get the eye test a little, you know? It would have been nice. But I'm going to start with, you know, on the transfer side, Jordan Williams out of Clemson, the Clemson defensive tackle transfer. I think this is the defensive version of Cleo Herbert for Virginia Tech. I think Jordan Williams is going to be an all-ACC player next year. could be a guy, you know, even makes a run all-ACC first team. I mean, he put up good numbers as a backup. He just got stuck behind Tyler Davis, who's going to be a first or second round pick, and it could be an all-ACC first team guy. And the, and the number one recruit in the country, the ACC freshman of the year, Brian Brzezek, he just got stuck behind those guys. So he made a smart business move, you know, to get the opportunity where he can be the guy. You know, the reports are and things, you know, comments from coaches and whatnot seem to be promising in terms of his leadership. And he's just, a, you have the productivity at Clemson. Um, I think he can be a stud. Like I said, I think he can be a star 
at Virginia Tech, coming home. If it's, it should be great, you know, whoever the coach, will, you know, in 2022 is, it, it'll be great in the 757 to see Jordan Williams, I think, have the big season that I think he will have. Hey, Dahlia, and Johnny Jordan as well. I think we're great transfer portal additions. Also, Jordan on the interior. I mean, you get an all Big Ten honorable mention player, that's pretty darn good. And Tay Daly has shown plenty of productivity in the past in his career at Vanderbilt. Daryl Tapp, I mean, he, he Tapp was a grad assistant, I think, when Daly first got to Vanderbilt as well. That was a nice connection. So, you know, I, I like those transfers. Um, and then you go, you know, to some of the freshmen. Um, you know, DJ Harvey, the corner coming out of California, intriguing guy who could push for playing time, special teams, a lot of different things. A couple of the receivers I like a lot, Dwayne Lofton and Jalen Jones. I really like Jalen Jones a lot. I remember watching some of his junior tape, and um, he did not play against great competition. But there's a difference between being good, you know, just being good because of competition and just being flat-out good. He was just flat-out good. This is a guy I think I've seen Cam Phillips as a comparison. This guy can play football. He's a really good football player. doesn't matter who he's facing. You could see it on the tape. It doesn't matter he's facing bad company. It's like Caleb Farley. It's not as good as Caleb Farley the tape because Caleb Farley is the best high school tape I've ever seen in terms of Virginia Tech recruit. If you have a chance, if you're listening, you have a chance to go back and watch his high school tape playing quarterback, it's like, you know, as a runner, it's like you're watching Michael Vick. It's worth the time. But, you know, Jalen Jones, his tape is really good. And I think he can come in and be a productive backup um, behind some of these guys and push for a lot of playing time. Lofton comments from coaches seem to be really good. It's a guy who did a lot of different things too. And that's something that Virginia Tech likes in their receivers. You know, we see it with Turner and Robinson. As much as people don't like the jet sweeps, there's actually, they've actually had some success. <laughs> One of the things I, 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 you know, after complaining about Cornell, and I have other complaints. It's not always about the jet sweeps, surprisingly enough. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, Lofton can be used in so many ways as a return man receiver, you know, as a runner almost, I think that helps as well. And he was productive. Um, so I think those are a few guys who, you know, in terms of freshmen that I'm really intrigued by. Will Johnson, another guy, I've, you know, I was very, I like this tape a lot. Um, he could, I think he'd be a backup. I think he'd be a special team guy. I think, you know, I think this class is going to have a lot of guys. It has a few guys I think we'll see play. And I think we're, we got a long way to go to see how. You know, all these guys fit in the puzzle. But I think there's a there's a lot of these guys who could also um, fit in on special teams and provide some value, yeah, on special teams um, as well. One guy, we'll say I'm intrigued. Uh, well, a couple other guys. One, Kenji Christian as a running back, as a long-term play. Um, and as, like I said, I think Tech got a lot of good three stars. They didn't, they didn't handle some of the big guys, but I think they got a lot of good ones. Um, Deshaun Elder. A safety out of Fork Union. Tech's had a lot of success finding talent out of Fork Union. Um, a lot of success. So, um, you get a guy out of Fork Union, I'm always going to be intrigued. You've been especially live tonight, by the way. Uh, very impressive. He's <laughs> ready to go. Hey we're, having, hey, we're having some fun, you know. It's a, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's May. We, we're talking about college football. Okay. Great time. <laughs> And we got Go ahead, college Jeff. football on TV. Or we got we got the FCS playoffs going on right now. This is awesome. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. All right, Tim. Uh, next question here: Do you think Virginia Tech will be better than last year 
why or why not. And after you answer that, we're going to go through what we call a win game, lose game, where we go through the Virginia Tech schedule uh, really quick and get your, um, you know, whether that game is going to be a win or a loss. Yeah. Um, do I think they will? Yes. Um, because, yeah, because partly one, if they aren't, um, it gets really ugly. And, you know, you may see a, a firing in season if, if they aren't. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, but I think they will. I think they will because, yeah, I, I don't think they can be worse than that five and six, you know, the worst, the first losing regular season um, in like 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. yeah, so I don't think they can be worse. Um, I don't think it will. I think the defense can be a lot is going to be improved with Justin Hamilton built here. Like, I, I like Jack Tyler a lot. I think Tech was big on him. They didn't want – they wanted to get Hamilton some experienced guys in Clays for a year. But they nearly just went straight with Jack, Jack Tyler as linebacker's coach. I think the staff's built well with J.C. Price as well. A lot of Hokies, a lot of very good coach, you know, experience. And Justin Hamilton just has that it factor. Um, so I think they will be better. Are they going to be better enough to where Justin Fuente saves his job? I don't know about that one. I, 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 have, my, I have a lot of doubts on that front. All right, let's get into that, to that schedule. And, and right out of the gate, a uh, huge game with, with North Carolina uh, facing you know, the best quarterback returning in the ACC, Sam Sam Howell, top, probably top five quarterback in the country. Um, and, and they could be the, the ACC coastal favorites, North Carolina on a Friday night in Blacksburg. Yeah, um, there's a lot of – from I've started to hear some stuff. There's a lot of emphasis on this game inside Merriman. Um, you know, obviously there always is for the first game, but there is a, an extra. You know, I think, you know, ever since Cam Phillips' comments, you know, a few years ago when Fedora was still that head coach, that Fuente quickly rebuked, uh, but kind of opened the lid on the fact that Fuente in the North Carolina, there's some bunny heads because some recruiting battles and whatnot. There's a little bit of a rivalry here that's brewed over the past few years. The hurricane game, um, you know, the wins for North Carolina recently have um, got under skin. I think a little, as well, I think as well. Uh, but I don't. I just, I, I'm. I think North Carolina is another level right now, and that's not good. That shouldn't be the case in Blacksburg. Um, I, I think. I think it's gonna be a great game. But if I had to say today, I think North Carolina wins and. Ooh, that's that's not going to go over. That's not going to feel good to start the season at all. All right. Um, so then, uh, the next week you return and play uh, the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. You know, I, I will say I hope they rescheduled the trip to Murfreesboro that uh, got canceled last year because I'd love to make a weekend out of that. Um, you know, go to the game, go to Nashville. Um, they they take care of business against Middle Tennessee. Um, but I hope, you know, and, and be a cool stadium to see. I kind of, I'm one of these people who likes the, some of those trips to some of these group of five schools occasionally to mix it up. You know, I think it's, plus you're going to get tested in a good environment when you do, but this home game, yeah, they'll cruise. All right. Uh, then you head on the road to a little, I mean, a regional rivalry here at West Virginia. West Virginia, you know, not, not quite what they were under Dana Holgerson, uh, but this, this is, I think, a really pivotal game if, if uh, Virginia Tech's going to get some momentum after that North Carolina lost. Yeah, you know, if, if they lose this one, um, it's going to be a tough one. I think this is a toss-up. Uh, I'm going to say they 
fit today. Um, that, I just don't think West Virginia is that good, and I, I think Tech can find a way to retain that, that Black Diamond trophy. Uh, that's going to be a tough one, though. That is going to be a tough one. And Tech, you know, they a loss there putting me at one and two with some of the games that were are coming ahead, uh, or the, the game a couple games down the road. Uh, would be a tough situation. I do think they um, – I, I, today I'm going to say they win, but, man, that's a, that's a tough one. It, this is not, a, not the easiest schedule um, to some extent. Yeah, and then the way you've, you've called it, you know, if they were to lose that game, lose two out of the first three, uh, that, that might be time for Justin Fuente to, to you know, see what his, real, his realtor is up to. So I would not advise losing that one. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think it'll be that. I don't think it'll be that soon. But, um, but yeah, it becomes a very tense situation of, you know, one more law, one or two more bet losses, and um, depending on the timing and who, and um, yeah, we are on. Um, we are on Whit Babcock press conference alert. Um, interim. Who who's the interim, et cetera. Mm. You know, all right, so after that, then you come back and host the Richmond Spiders? Yeah, that should be a win. That should be a win. All right. Uh, after that, you get a, a week off uh, to prepare for a, a Notre Dame team. That, that's probably not going to quite be as, as good as they were this year. Ian Book is gone. They lost a, a good bit of talent, but the, the Irish are still going to be a very good team. Yeah, I wouldn't think against the Irish. So I will say, if they can find a way to beat North Carolina, you know, go into that game 4-0, I mean, that would be an electric atmosphere. And who knows, it might be a night game inside Lane Stadium. But um, obviously, I, I have them losing North Carolina, and they could be 2-2 two and two even at this point. Uh, but I, I got them losing Notre Dame. I, I just I just can't see it right now. I, I, just, I, I just don't have enough confidence. You know, quarterback plays key. I, I, I haven't seen enough to make me think they could pull that big upset at home. All right. So these next three weeks, uh, you know, as we go through them, I, th- I think this is a little bit of an opportunity for Virginia Tech to build some 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 momentum here. And um, you know, you're starting with the Pitt Panthers, and, and Matthew and I have looked at their team, and they're they're going to be really depleted. They lost a lot of talent on the pickets back, but they lost a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're looking at it as well, Pitt, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. I think Tech goes three for three. But if they, you know, if they're, you know, as we ha- as I have them, you know, three and two and they slip up um, in a couple of these games, it's probably over uh, for Fuente at that point. You, I could easily see them making the move to, honestly, even Justin Hamilton to try to give, give him a little trial run for maybe down the road. Or if it works really well, you know, who knows. But um, I think they win all three. Um, and they're starting to be some momentum a little. Um, entering what would be a what is going to be a fascinating November um, could be a very pressure filled November as well. That could be, you know, big for Fuente or a complete disaster, um, and, and 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 trigger the coaching change. All right, so you you got uh, wins over Pitt, over Syracuse, uh, and then a win at Georgia Tech. So then you head on the road for Friday night at Boston College, and, and Matthew and I've called that offensive line. It, it's the best group in the ACC. It's a it's really, good. really good offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that's a trap. Um, that is such a trap. Um, I mean, I think I'd favor Boston College in that game anyway ahead of time. That's a trap. Um, yeah, Boston College in that game. Uh, Yurkovic is going to be back. back. You know, they saw, we saw the game this past season. They're going to remember that. Jeff Halfley's a good coach. 
Um, Yurkovic, Zay Flowers, that offensive line. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of transformed themselves. And Boston College is a good football team now. They quickly become a good football team under Jeff Halfley. Um, yeah, I think Boston College could take care of on a Friday night game after a road trip the previous week to Georgia Tech, which, you know, I think Tech takes care of business in Atlanta, but it could be a closer and expected one if Jeff Collins' team is coming along as, you know, you'd hope, you hope if you're, you know, Jeff, I assume you guys are hoping um, for the L Jackets too. But, yeah, I think, I think Boston College trips them up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Georgia Tech, they're going to have some – got some weapons on offense, that's for sure. I think they're going to put up points this year. But, I mean, I'm not sure they're equipped to, to knock off a of Virginia Tech at this point, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, I, I think you'll see Georgia Tech be a team that can, that can throw scares into people because they'll be able to move the ball. Um, so, yeah, you've got that, that pivotal game with Boston College. Uh, and then after that, uh, you come back and, and host uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, you know, Duke is just not very – they haven't been very good the last uh, few years. And, you know, this could be one of Cutcliffe's last seasons in um, Durham. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Hokies take care of business against Duke. And I will say this, if it is Cutcliffe, one guy to keep an eye on, I, I think, you know, if Duke does – if Cutcliffe retires, is uh, Derek Jones, one of his former top assistants. Um, who's now on the Texas Tech staff, um, really well-respected recruiter, uh, well-respected assistant, uh, could be a guy that gets a call. If Duke does make a move, I would think he would be a guy who would be a top contender. It's kind of a well-connected name to some extent to the some of the best days of the Cutcliffe era at Duke. Um, because, if, you know, Duke's just not going to be a popular football job at all. And I think he could be a guy that could be a good fit. Uh, but, yeah, I think Tech takes care of business against Duke. Um, and okay. what could be, yeah, what could be the last season for Cutcliffe? Uh, then after Duke, you go on the road and play at Miami. Yeah, this is uh, De'Ara King coming back. Um, Manny Diaz seems to have, you know, after the tough start his first season, uh, they seem to be hitting their rhythm a little. I think it's going to be a UNC versus Miami. It's setting up very much to be a UNC versus Miami coastal battle. And I think Miami takes care of business. Um, you know, it's anytime, I mean, a lot of Miami has no tech well, and I think they'll, you know, tech will be based on this would be seven and three going in. Um, I think it'll be a loud environment. You know, it'll be one of the few games Miami actually has a large crowd at, and uh, I think the Hurricanes can take care of business in this one. All right. Uh, and then you, you finish the season with your arch rival Commonwealth cup and a rivalry that, that the Hogies have absolutely dominated since 2003, just losing one time at Virginia. Yeah, um, I think it's a toss-up. It really is a toss-up. Um, I think Tech wins it, but I don't feel good either way. I wouldn't, you know, if Vegas odds were out there today, I wouldn't touch that thing at all. Um, you know, and <laughs> I think, you know, yeah. And I, obviously, I think if Tech loses that game, they're finished 7-5. Yeah, that's, that's like, that's game over. Um, if Tech, you know, as I am being UVA, finishes eight and four, I don't think Fuente, I don't think Fuente would return in that scenario. I think they would make the move. And um, I will say, you know, you know, people say, all right, you know, you beat your rival, you go eight and four. Is that enough to stay? And it might be. But you look back at, you have to, you have to go far back, and it's hard to say how much you really judge that history. Um, but there are plenty of coaches, you know. I think it's a pretty high number of past five or six tech coaches 
most of them actually won their final game against UVA. Um, obviously, Beamer retirement, et cetera, but Bill Dooley, some others, I think, actually won their final game against UVA before they maybe got fired or whatever else happened. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird kind of stat. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tech does, and they, yeah. Then, then the question is, is eight and four enough? I, I don't think it should be, um, because I don't think Tech's going to be really that in contention in the coastal, and that's that's such a key thing. If they lose the UVA seven and five, yeah, that's that's game over. Plus, I think next year is going because Texas and Auburn took themselves out, of the, and South Carolina took themselves out of the coaching market for next year, and I think a lot more coach more coaches are going to be more apt to move. Um, because they're not going to be recruiting in a dead period for six months to start their tenure. Um, I think, and Tech's, you know, pumping money in, I think the job's a lot more attractive. And I think, you know, I think one has got to win at least nine to retain um, his job next year. And I don't think eight and four is going to be enough, even with a season-ending win against UVA, even beating West Virginia as well. They lose one of those two as well. And if they go seven, five or worse, you know, eight and four, losing one of those two at least, yeah, you know, that's game over. Um, eight and four beating West Virginia and UVA is probably the stretch on the bottom end in terms of what might be good enough to save Puente's job. Um, but also it could be a situation that plays out depending on what jobs open up. Um, you know, if he has a good year, like Shaka Smart at Texas. He had he was on the hot seat, had a great season, hops for Marquette, you know, to get paid well and also get himself off of the hot seat for a few years. Um, and, and get the get a fresh start. It could be one of those situations that plays out as well. That's speculative. Don't get me wrong. That's very speculative. But you know, we see this all the time um, in these types of situations. I mean, Dana Holgerson, look at his move, West Virginia to Houston, kind of a downward lateral move, maybe more to some extent lateral um, move, but to kind of hit the reset button as well um, after a solid season and a good opportunity that was more in his country. So. All right, good stuff there, Tim. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as as we close out the podcast with a with a couple more questions. Well, I, I think you really covered the pulse of the program pretty well, Tim. I just I just want to do these follow ups here, right? I mean, do you think at seven and five, he's out? What is out? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think I think I think he's out the door. I think eight and four almost certainly would be probably would probably be out the door as well. Um, I, and I think it probably should be. Uh, I mean, this is, like I said, we're in, um, we're in year six and yes, I get it. Frank Beamer, you know, it took a while for Beamer and they were, you know, patient beyond understanding, but Beamer also had to deal with some NCA sanctions from the Bill Dooley era. At this point, I didn't have to deal with any sanctions. Um, so, and it's just not the the excitement. That's part of the issue. There's just a lot of other pressure. I'm not going to get into some of the other pressures, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with donors and whatnot, but there was some stuff. Um, you know, there, this near, you know they, it was, we weren't far from a change happening this year. We were not far at all. We were quite close to seeing Tech make a move. Um, it's, a, it's the hottest scene in America, I think, just about. And 8-4, and and I don't think it's going to cut it. And there might be some parts fan base say, all right, eight wins, that's not a bad that's not that bad. But tech has become one of the best is one of the best football brands in the ACC. The expectation should be competing for the coastal nine, ten wins, even with the remote location 
even with the challenges of recruiting to Blacksburg, there's Tech's got so many other things going for it, and the money pumping in should even boost it even more. So, um, so yeah. And I'm going to ask you just one follow-up because we kind of talked about it pre, you know, kind of talked about it post-recording, right? And or you know, pre-recording, I should say. I'm sorry, not post-recording, pre-recording. And we kind of got a little follow-up question on Twitter. So, yeah, after six years, what 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 are your thoughts on the roster in recruiting? Because I think this is this is an important discussion we need to have here, Tim. Yeah, no, I think I, I know the question you're referencing. Yeah, I think it's a great question because, you know, it's the weird tension of, all right, I, I'm, I, I evaluate in two ways. I'm valuing what, what am I projecting for this team in terms of my expectations or based on the roster or based on what's here. My evaluation of Justin Fuente, is he doing the job you know he needs to, is based on where Virginia Tech should be. You know, year six should be legitimate contender for the Coastal winning nine, 10 games. That's, you know, on a regular basis, that's the expectation. And at the end of the day, it's your job to build the roster. And if you didn't build the roster good enough, even if your roster, you maximized it, you know, what you did have, you just didn't good, did, do a good enough job of getting the right pieces to get you higher. And that's on the coach. It's, it's, it's roster management. I mean, you see a guy like Hendon Hooker transfer. You see Doug Nestor transfer, Brian Hudson, Quincy Patterson. You had some talent, you know, you, yeah, it's a great job bringing some guys in. That'll help also. It's your job. At the end of the day, it is your job, um, you know, as head coach, to build a roster that gets you to where you need to be. And if you don't build it, you know, yes, we may see the roster exceed expectation based on our own view of that roster strength. But one day should be held to the standard of not what he has, but what, where he should be achieving with whatever he does have. And if he's not achieving that because he didn't put together a good enough talent base, even if he's maximizing said talent base, you know, if it's not achieving the results, that's just reality. That's, you know, roster management's part of your job. You didn't get the job done. That's just, that's welcome to college. Welcome to the highest level college football. It's a, it's a cruel world. It's not a fair game. It's not fair always at all. It's a cruel world. Um, plenty of good coaches can't cut it. In, in the highest levels of college football, or at least in their first time leading a program at the highest levels of college football. Very good tape. Very good tape. Open microphone time. What do you got for us, Tim? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, there's lots of talk, you know, about if a coaching change happens, you know, plenty of people say Whit Babcock should have, shouldn't touch it with a stick. I 100% disagree with that. Um, I think with Babcock, yes, I think you could use some outside people who, under, who understand Virginia Tech football, but also come from the outside that be heavily involved in the process, maybe some alums who um, have coached elsewhere. Maybe, you know, call up a guy in, you know, just for a couple conversations, a guy like Bruce Arians. Um, call in some other Tech alums and, you know, Brandon Flowers. Uh, a Daryl Tapp, you know, who's, coach, who's, who's gained some coaching experience. Um, some other guys as well, former, you know, obviously Bud Foster, um, you know, some of these former coaches specifically um, who, uh, you know, to help guide the search. Um, I, yeah, I could say a couple of people who shouldn't be in that regard. And, you know, the old guard probably shouldn't be as well outside of maybe, like I said, a Bud Foster and then a lot, you know, former players. 
Um, but I, I think that, I mean, look at Bab, outside of that, look at Babcock's other coaching moves. Um, men's basketball, Buzz Williams, home run hire. Mike Young, so far has been fantastic. Kenny Brooks on the women's side. That program has got just such a strong foundation. And it's a team program that just keeps getting better and better. Wrestling, you know, I really liked the, the promotion internal, but Tony Roby was, I liked it from the get-go, and he's blown away expectation. He's built such a complete program that's doing great in college, on the, the traditional collegiate side, and the international recognition, the building up of that regional training center, the fundraising, all that. Tremendous. Uh, baseball, yeah, they've been a rough patch recently. They lost their last three ACC, ACC series. I think now three after losing two of three this weekend against UVA. But John Sheff has done a really good job um, rebuilding that program and taking out all the resources. Um, softball, Pete DeMore has been a home run hire. Um, men's soccer, um, they just won a thriller tonight against Oregon State. Um, tremendous goal in overtime at the end of the overtime to win it um, against Oregon State to advance. Mike Brizendine, he was on the ropes. And I think yes, he was, and, and, he kept, and you know what? He kept and he kept him. What I called oh. for, you know, for firing him. I, I, I was with it. I agreed with you. I agreed with you, and uh, Witt made the right call. Look, the women's lacrosse he program. He hires John Sung, who built two programs literally from nothing that didn't exist, and the, the rebuilt the build a program that really wasn't doing anything was just sitting around the bottom of the ACC doing nothing. Volleyball, the first hire didn't work out so well. That, that's the other maybe not-so-good hire. Even the Justin Fuente hire, you had two good years at the front end. Um, you know, and the volleyball, you know, they made a new hire who's shown lots of promise in year one. So, uh, with Babcock's got a heck, of a, repu- a heck of a report card and reputation for making great hires. I do think he could use some support on the football side. He needs, you know, but I don't, you know, as long as he's doing that, with Babcock driving the ship is fine with me. But he does need some help on the football side um, because, yeah, his two coaching hires as an AD are Tommy Tuberville, the, the now U.S. senator, which is words that are still unbelievable to say. Um, yes. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, then, uh, and then Justin Puente, um, who, by the way, was mostly praised, you know, when he was hired. Everybody called yes, a home run. Yes, yes, yes. Hasn't, hasn't, proven, hasn't proven to be a good fit. You know, just hasn't been a great fit in Blacksburg in the end. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I think Whip Babcock could use some other support in the football realm for this hire. There's some people I'm not going to get into who shouldn't be necessarily um, involved in that, and there's some reasons, you know, there's some reasons why. Um, but, you know, you know, bringing some guys like Bud Foster, you know, the Brandon Flowers world, the D'Angelo Halls, um, the Daryl Taps. You know, to provide some consulting and advice, um, and you know, to give some insight into who's the right guy, who fits the culture. Uh, like I said, Tony Elliott, uh, Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame now Notre Dame defense corner. They that defense looks really good. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to him being a top candidate. I think Tony Elliott would be at the top of the list probably, along with Luke Fickle. Um, looking if Tech does make a move, I would expect Elliott and Fickle at the top two, and then Freeman maybe at the next guy. Um, but yeah, um, with that fact, should drive the ship in general. Fair enough. I think Fickle will be at the University of Michigan. That's my opinion on that subject. That eventually, I feel like he's waiting out for that, but who knows? I mean, I guess they did. 
can't remember. You probably can't. I can't remember. I, you know, it's been a while, but I thought I thought the Michigan head coach signed an extension. Is that correct, guys? Yeah. Well, he did, but it reduced the buyout. It it was a way of um, trying to send, you know, try to create some security for recruits and stuff to to think of their security, but without actually putting security, without without making it easy for them to make a move. Um, I get it. Yeah, so, and, you know, I agree with you on Fickle, though, which, by the way, would be a fascinating storyline for a guy who spent so much of his coaching career at Ohio State um, and even was the interim head coach after Jim Trussell got fired um, to end up getting the full-time gig at Michigan. That would be just fascinating. Um, I'm here for it. I'd be really entertained by that, and I think it would be a great hire for Michigan, too. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jeff, you're up, buddy. Yeah, just a quick thought on on the NFL draft this past weekend. Um, you know, you know, you guys know it, it's been pretty lean for the ACC um, with their football results the last couple of years. Zero and six in the bowls. I know it was a COVID year, and and some teams were playing teams they might not have played uh, otherwise because some some opted out and here and there. But you know, the, the fact is the the, the ACC is, it has struggled has struggled the last two or three years, and and I think a lot of it goes back to you know uh, the the talent decline in in the league, and you saw that in the previous two NFL drafts and in 2018, 2000, um, or sorry, 2019, 2020. But in this year's NFL draft, uh, they they kind of got back to where the AC usually is, right there, uh, running running second or or really close in the third uh, to the SEC and Big Ten, and they had 42 picks, just a couple behind the Big Ten. And, and and hopefully that's a sign that some of these coaching transitions that have happened the last couple of years, uh, you know, like North Carolina and Mac Brown taking those Fedora recruits and, and producing five NFL picks, and, and, and even Narduzzi and Fuente, who have struggled a little bit with the on-the-field results, you know, putting players in the NFL, that's what you got to have. I mean, no matter how, how you want to slice the recruiting rankings and, and, and player evaluations, the better teams are producing NFL talent. That's why Ohio State and Alabama are at the at the top of the um, you know the top of those each each and every year. So to kind of see the ACC you know get a little little get a little bit back after two really down cycles in the draft uh, could could be a positive sign going forward with some of these new staffs and and some of the the player development going on in the conference. Amen. I'll just be real. I'll just be real quick here, guys. I have enjoyed immensely watching the FCS playoffs this spring. I've had so much fun watching that. I mean, I I was a little sad to see NDSU lose today, but I guess when you have three quarterbacks that play professional football and you have the luxury of quarterback of well, I should say the luxury of having a senior quarterback in your system every year eventually that's going to come down with youth, right? Or, and, and many, and these guys, two of the three played in the NF, in the are, are playing in the NFL or actually, yeah, at three, I'm sorry. I take that back for four quarterbacks, one in the CFL and three in the NFL. And you come down to having a freshman playing at QB. Eventually your luck is going to run. Eventually your luck is going to run out, but North Dakota state had, an outstanding run in the FCS playoffs. North Dakota lost to JMU right now today. If you had to ask me, I'm picking JMU to win the FCS title game, but it has been fun 
watching football here in the spring. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certain it's not going to be a permanent thing. They'll come back for the fall, but it's been a nice, a nice respite here, wait, at least waiting for uh, football to start in, in August. So that, that's all I have to say. What are your thoughts on that, guys, just briefly? I mean, I think I think it's been been great. I, I was kind of think, hoping, and I know it won't happen, like you said, Matthew, that they maybe think about doing this in the future because I, I've been pretty much, whenever I've been at home today, locked into watching the FCS playoffs, and, and that might not always be the case. Uh, during a fall season, but you know, if if it never happens again, I think I think it really worked out well for this year, and it's it's nice to have like real co- college football on uh, in May, and we still got a couple more weeks to go with the with the semifinals and the, and the finals here. So, um, you know, really glad they found a way to to, to have the season go on uh, here in the spring. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to really watch much of it this spring at all but it's definitely uh, you know i give the the teams credit for getting this done and making this happen um you know and giving their players the chance to actually compete um i get i give them a yep. ton of credit and I, and I agree um you know partly because south dakota state right now is losing in halftime i just checked the scores by 10 to southern illinois uh, i do like the jmu pick i think um you know there's so much experience you know there's just there's just a lot of pedigree um, and that JMU Sam Houston game definitely looks intriguing um, next week. Um, it's it's weird though, like you know, it's weird not seeing North Dakota State, um, you know, seeing them go out in the quarter time. It, it's a little weird. Um, it'll be interesting to see though next year in the fall, maybe some Quincy Patterson on the field. He's going to start uh, the Bison. Yeah, I He's think it'd be great. He's going to start the next year. I'm yeah, I mean, no reason. No reason why he can't and why he can't succeed at a very high level and win a national championship, which would be fantastic to see. He's going to, I, I can tell you today that they needed a runner and they needed somebody who's a plower and it, they will coach him to get his second and third reads and multiple, multiple reads in the passing game, Tim and Jeff. And by the time he leaves NDSU, he's going to be a very high draft pick. I can assure you of that. So, guys, we loved having you, having you come on the show, Tim, this week. And it's always great when you come back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This was a live one tonight. And I enjoyed having you come on. Jeff enjoyed you coming, having you come on the show. And we're going to ask you to come back on the midseason because, this was more live than I've heard you in a while, and it's been and it's been fun. It's been fun, and so I'm I'm looking forward to having you come back uh, to assess the midseason progress of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Thank you so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, Tim. Absolutely, I look forward to that. And yeah, I think uh, you know I think over time a little uh, oh uh, Paul Van Wagner up at ESPN Blacksburg has uh, rubbed off on me in some good in some good ways in that regard as well have some fun (laughs) all right have a great week guys take care bye guys see ya